Hello, and welcome to the Signpost Inn podcast, a space at life's crossroads to connect with God and find direction. Pour yourself a drink, grab a seat, and join us on the back porch for a friendly conversation about Christian prayer, spirituality, and faithful theology. My name's Matt. And I'm Brandon, and we're really glad you're here. The Signpost Inn podcast is brought to you by the Signpost Inn ministry, where we offer spiritual direction, retreats and sabbatical residencies, and lots of resources and training. You can find out more about what we do and support us by visiting signpostin.org. In this episode, I interview Christian Jones, who is the executive director of the Flint Mission Network, which is a collection of Lutheran ministries to inner city Flint, Michigan. This episode is a little longer than normal because before we got to our main topic of prayer, we talked a bit about the work he's doing and what it means to be a Lutheran. When we finally did get around to talking about prayer, Christian had some really great insights that gave me a lot to chew on, so I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. But just before we jump into the interview, I want to read a great email we got from a listener about our last two episodes. Kelly in Colorado writes, Thanks for sharing your thoughts on neuroscience and the spiritual disciplines. I appreciated your boldness to enter into conversations about the mind, science, and daily practices. Our modern evangelical campfire has some hesitation about entering these conversations. However, you initiated a dialogue that integrated the mind and spiritual direction, and by supporting your approach with words of truth and scripture, you anchored this integration. This mindful progress creates space for intimate gatherings with our Father. Love it. I look forward to future podcasts and discussions that take risks to dwell in areas that are not always encouraged by our brethren. Thanks, Carrie. We really appreciate your words of encouragement. I'm not super keen to take risks, but as far as I'm concerned, every conversation is welcome on the back porch. Also, we just finished our first prayer retreat of the season, and it was amazing. Our next retreat is April 29th through May 2nd, and there's still time to reserve your spot. So come away with us for three nights in the beautiful Colorado Rockies and learn how to slow down and connect with God. We provide everything you need, the food, the lodging, and the spiritual support, so you don't have to think about anything but attending to God. Sign up at signpostin.org. And now, here's the show. Christian, it is great to have you on uh, the Signpost In podcast. I am excited to talk to you. Uh, the mutual connection we have uh, introduced us and Anna, who works with, who volunteers for us and has done a lot of work for us. We both have a lot of respect for, so I appreciate her connecting us. Um, but would you first just tell, tell me a little bit about what your ministry is, who you are, and how you got to this place in the ministry that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Anna and I both serve within the city of Flint. Anna serves at St. Paul's Lutheran Church on the west side of Flint. Uh, and I serve as the executive director of the Flint Mission Network, which primarily exists on the north and east side of Flint. And so the, the Flint Mission Network, um, I was called to serve here as a Lutheran at the end of well, in the middle of 2019, and I've been here since, and, and we've grown. So it started out as Franklin Avenue Mission, which was located exclusively on the east side of town. Uh, the east side of town is where the water treatment plant is. So if you're familiar with the Flint water crisis, uh, that's, that's, that's where we're at. It's the heart of it. Uh, in fact, um, 
one of my favorite things if you go on wikipedia uh which is of course the the ever-flowing source of all knowledge and truth uh it says the water crisis ended in 2019 <laughs> it's it's still going it's it's still a, it's still a thing that we that we all deal with but it's uh that's that's where it is uh and it was a it was a former lutheran church calvary lutheran it's uh it's it's a fairly it's a, it's a rough community uh 48506 is one of the most impoverished zip codes in the United States. And so you, you drive around and uh, there's there's burned out buildings, there's homelessness, there's prostitution, drug abuse, or I should say sex trafficking, sort of prostitution. But um, all of these, these things are taking place. And so rather than being part of the community, by and large, not all of them, I mean, there, there were a member or two who, who were there, most of them were, were commuting in from some distance and weren't actually established within the neighborhood and so the congregation died um quite quite literally actually uh, many of them passed away and the torch was not passed uh, which was which was quite sad and so what happened is my predecessor in 2015 came on in his name was uh brad yops he was a former uh, lutheran pastor now retired uh, and he says well we can work with this we can we can change this we can we can serve and love our neighbors uh, as God would have us do. And, and amazingly, you know, when you start investing and in, in, in becoming a part of the, the community in that way, uh, the church grows. It's, it's, it's quite fascinating and beautiful to experience. And so the programming changed. You know, it's, it's not your, your, your regular church that you would normally see in a suburb or in the country. Uh, there, there are programs specifically designed for working with inner city um, uh, problems. When we get into to poverty, we start talking about food deserts and food accessibility. You know, that's not something that's regularly available to a lot of the families. So we have a uh, a diner program through pandemic uh, every Tuesday and Thursday, um, and uh, someone on Sundays too. But uh, weekly, we were feeding, you know, six hundred to seven hundred and fifty, you know, meals people. Um, that's that's one aspect of it. Another aspect is uh, we're supposed to go and clothe the naked, right? That's that's a part of homelessness that people struggle with. If they can't if they can't have accessibility to food, you know, clothing is tertiary to food. You know, they, you got to eat before you you have a jacket. And so we we find ways to to feed and clothe. Uh, and along with feeding and clothing, of course, the other scriptural mandate is is to provide shelter and, and homes for those who don't have any. And in the midst of burned out buildings, people are squatting and don't have access to affordable housing. Uh, we constructed in relationship with Wellspring Lutheran Services here in Michigan, something called Mercy House. Mercy House uh, originally was a, was, a, was a home just north of our campus. And uh, it's, it's, it's our neighbor. And the, the home, unfortunately, was, was torched. Neighbors just didn't get along. And as a result, the house burned. We said, all right, well, the structure of the building, it's, it's ash and burned, but there's, there's still some good bones to it. We can, we can rebuild this. We can, we can change it a little bit. And we constructed a transitional housing facility at that campus or, or, or that house. Uh, and so we can have uh, four moms uh, with, with their kids, up to 16 people total, living in that house, uh, receiving case management by social workers from Wellspring as well as uh, soft skills training and tutoring for kids. It's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating and beautiful ministry to be a part of in that way. 
Now, moving on to the the north side of town, uh, our next uh, ministry was York Avenue Mission, uh, which launched on Reformation Day, and it's on the north side of town. And uh, the north side of town is 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 similar but different. Uh, the congregation on the north side, it's similar but also has its own challenges uh, compared to Calvary that closed and became Franklin Avenue Mission. Um, our Savior Lutheran Church on the north side, again, it was it was an aging congregation that's that's still struggling, uh, but they they were actively trying to reach into the community. Um, from what we've seen, so they've got uh, they've got a food pantry here that they're operating that I get to, to help be a part of now. Uh, they also have their own clothes closet ministry over here. They're they're trying. They're 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 just they're they're trying to get there. Uh, and their their pastor recently retired, and so they invited me to to come in and, and be a part of this with them. And with that, we we're rebranding. We're trying to give some new life in here. Uh, we're shifting. So they were they're an established congregation. Uh, but they're they're a, they're a dying, struggling, established congregation, um, and that's that's not to be derogatory to them, but but literally, uh, they've had you know multiple uh, 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 church leadership positions this year who have gone to be with Jesus, and they just don't have the capacity to to fill that in with other members of the church. So okay, we we need to reevaluate where we are, and we need to bring in members of the community to actually be a part of the church, and not just pew sitters, but actually legitimately reflected in the identity of the church, create and, and raise up leaders from the community in that way. And so that's where we are at York Avenue. And, and then uh, finally, we are launching the Luke Clinic, which is a free prenatal and uh, antenatal or infant care uh, medical clinic at the Franklin Avenue Mission Campus on the east side. Uh, and this is extraordinary. So they're part of the Flint Mission Network, the Luke Clinic. They're their own separate 501c3, uh, which is awesome. But what they do is that they're bringing in um, not just compassionate Christian care, but world-class medical care. They're bringing in OBGYNs from the University of Michigan Hospital, along with tag-teaming with local hospitals here in Flint uh, to work with nurses and doctors to ensure that women who are struggling with transportation, uh, insurance, or any other barrier that prevents them from getting uh, the, the necessary uh, medical provision are cared for. So that's that's a little bit about Frank. Actually, that's a lot about the Flint Mission Network. That's not a little, but that's that's what I get to be a part of. And it is awesome. Yeah, that's that is awesome. I, I don't even, you know, I didn't know even all of that stuff before we started this conversation. I had only only a little bit about that. But one of the things that you said in our last conversation that really struck me was, and you're going to have to remind me how you said it. You said that you're not a, you're not a great commission ministry. Uh, can you remind, do you remember what that was? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so when we, when we look at the words mission, so whether it's Franklin Avenue mission or York Avenue mission, uh, almost exclusively when we think of the word mission, we think of Matthew 28 which is the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them all that I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the end of the age, that great gospel promise. And we do that at, at these missions, but that's not the focal point uh, of necessarily what we do. It's integral to, to who we are, but our mission actually comes earlier in the gospel of Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter nine, actually. Matthew chapter nine is is what I call the great compassion. And so in Matthew chapter nine, we get this image of Jesus. He gets off of the boat and he goes and instantly a paralytic man is brought to him, someone who can't walk, 
right? Whether he's uh, paralyzed from the waist down, neck down, doesn't matter. Can't walk, can't do anything. And Jesus, in that very moment, has compassion on him. And he says, get up, take your mat, and go home. What does the guy do? Gets up, goes home. Picks up his mat, and he walks home. Uh, and, and along with this, is my favorite part, uh, Jesus also gives him the forgiveness of sins. What is easier, to forgive someone this, this, this man's sin or to say, get up and walk? get up and walk. Jesus is awesome. He's much cooler than I am. Uh, but after that, uh, again, uh, a form of compassion. Um, he goes and he sits uh, with this guy named Matthew. Matthew just happens to be a tax collector. Tax collectors back then, and, and probably somewhat now, are, are often slated into this, this realm of tax collectors. And look at the text, quote unquote, sinners, right? And so these people are the people who are cast out to the side of, uh, of the city or, or outside of, of the community and say, we don't want to talk with you. You're not a part of us. Don't be here. You're not allowed to be here. And in fact, sinners, uh, that's, that's colloquial back then uh, for, for sex traffic women or, or even men probably uh, to some degree back then too, uh, and says, not only do we not want you, you are not clean, and so what does Jesus do? He goes, he spends time with them, he talks with them, he eats with them, and, and doing these things, he says, you are valuable. You are important to me. You are loved. I cherish you, right? And, and so these are, these are compassionate style of programming, healing those who are, who are uh, suffering from, from disease or sickness or, or physical issues, uh, spending time giving value to those who are, who are called dirty and cast to the edge of society. Uh, and then from there, Jesus goes and Jairus, I believe, is, is the guy who comes up and he says, Jesus, my daughter's dying. You know, my daughter's dead. She's, she's not breathing. Come with me that, that she might uh, be well. Uh, and there's the woman who's bleeding for uh, for, um, was it 12 months, 12 years, whatever it is, comes and, and pulls on the hem of Jesus garment and she gets healed. And Jesus goes into, into Jairus's house and he love this too. He kicks out all the horn players and flute players. Get out of here. Doesn't want him there for some reason. <laughs> my, my favorite little tidbit of that story. But after he kicks them out, he, uh, <laughs> he, he goes and he says, Kum Lake or get up in, in Hebrew. And, and what does the girl do? She gets up. She's alive. I, I love the the cap. You capture that well in that this is a great compassion ministry, and that in, that that leads into that that precedes the great commission. One, you know, I, I, that's what I'm taking away from what you're saying right now is that the one without the other doesn't really exist. Absolutely, and and in fact, Jesus says as much because at the end of Matthew nine, this is where he says, "Hey guys, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Get out there." And pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out more workers, i.e. you guys, into the harvest field, right? That's that's the first commission that Jesus gave us in Matthew right there. Yeah. You know, where I come from is my background is definitely not Flint, Michigan. That's not the uh, a world that I have a lot of connection with. But I do have a connection in my own spiritual life and growth with with Jesus of the of the moving of things out of the ethereal um, <laughs> intellectual world into an actual physical reality, right? That the that Christ is concerned about my physical being every bit as much as He is concerned about my mental being. I think I think we as the church lost that for a while. 
I mean, we as the church lost that for for quite a bit of time, especially I think in the I think in the twentieth century when everything be, became like capital T truth, like what is truth. Jesus became an intellectual exercise, hmm. like he stopped actually being a, the 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 physical Christ that that we that we know and believe and, and follow. He became a he became a thought, mm-hmm. right? And that was that was deadly. It was dangerous for the church. It still is. Right. And Christ's teaching becomes a system um, to master rather than the, the reality of a person mm-hmm. uh, and a relationship with, with a personal God. Yeah. Uh, that actually kind of leads me to a question of, so you mentioned you're a Lutheran and that's part of the reason I have you on. Um, I, the, the actual purpose of the conversation is I want to shift it into the questions about prayer Um but before I do that, and I think there's going to be some real connection with your ministry, obviously, as well, LCMS Lutheran, correct? So that's... Yep, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Right. And are you a pastor? <laughs> yes. By, by, for all intents and purposes, yes, I am. With, within the church, there, there are uh, policy and, and polity and politics that say, uh, I'm a reverend, uh, I'm, I'm ordained, but I don't have a church. I have a mission. Pastors have churches, missionaries have mission. So for for Lutherans, it's that's a that is that is a distinction I want to accurately represent uh, for anyone listening out there. But but yes, for all intents and purposes, I am a pastor. Gotcha, pastorally trained, etc. Yeah, okay. Tell us just a little bit briefly what makes Lutheran distinctive. Particularly, ask you that question if you're if the next question is going to be tell me what prayer is. Yeah. Um, if we're using this question as a lens to enter into prayer, I think what distinguishes me as a Lutheran or you as a Lutheran too, is that we live as, uh, in, in a way that the Latin phrase would be vita passiva or vita passiva, uh, which, which literally translates into the passive life. And, and the, the concept of the passive life as a, as a Lutheran is that we receive we exclusively receive everything that that we that we have in life has been given to us. We've not we've not actively achieved it, but Christ uh, and and the Father, the Creator, has blessed us with it. Um, uh, whether whether it be physical things like house and home, food and clothes, uh, you know, drink, whatever it may be, or or whether it's whether it's the the spiritual aspect of of, of just straight up salvation. Like these are all works that have been given to us passively. We, we just receive them. Um, I think that's what makes us unique within the Christian world. We come to church. It's, it's not about offering our things to God. Certainly we, we provide offering in the offering plate as, as a thanksgiving for what he's given us. But again, when we come into church, we come to be recipients of what God freely gives us, and we we receive uh, faith through the Word, right? We hear the the preaching of the Word. This is God's Word given for you and for me, that we would hear it, learn it, mark inwardly, digest it, and trust it, right? Uh, as Lutherans, we fear, love, and trust God above all other things, but it's not just the Word. We also receive uh, the sacraments, and, and for Lutherans, those are distinguished by Christ's body and blood on the altar, which he has given to us in, in maybe Holy Communion for other church bodies, where he says, this is my body. Is my body broken for you? 
do this as often as you eat of it in remembrance of me in the same way uh, with the wine. This is this is the cup of the, of, of the new covenant in my blood shed for you. This is a gift for you. Receive it. This is yours. You haven't done anything to deserve it. I am giving it to you for the remission of all of your sins. And then the the other sacrament for us, of course, is is holy baptism, and this this is the big distinguisher, I think, for for a lot of us within the Protestant denominations, right? Uh, for a lot of Protestants, they say, well, well, baptism, I'm giving my life to Christ, and this is this is a public affirmation of a decision I've made, right? This is this is for for many people a a, dis, a, a choice of what they're making, but if if we hold to the the theology of vita passiva, where we're we're receiving. God's gifts to us. Baptism is not an active process for us. Baptism is is God doing all the work for us. It's God through the water and the word sending the spirit, right? And marking us and claiming us as one of his own and and leading it into prayer. What are we doing in prayer? Like we are receiving and we're communing with God, but we're so often receiving or, or, or looking to the promises that he's already made to us and asking him, hey, remind me your promise. Unpack that last thing you said, that prayer, what is it we're doing when we pray but receiving? Because I think, you know, I confess for myself that that is not the first thing I think about when I think about prayer. If I were to define prayer just sort of, you know, hey, on the street, somebody says, what's prayer? I'm like, well, it's talking to God. And so you know, for me, that's a very much thing thing I'm doing. It's, it you know, that doesn't feel passive in any way at all. It feels very much like a thing I'm doing for and to God. But what you just said is something seems very different than that. Can you unpack that? What you are saying is accurate and true, by the way. I mean, when we when we go to pray, uh, when we go to pray, when we enter into prayer and we, we are conversing one-to-one with God, that that is an active thing. Um, that that we partake in, we we come to him. I, I don't want to say that 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 is not uh, what we are doing. It is, but when we when we go to prayer, so often we come with a with a with an ask, right? Or or you know we we'll have Thanksgiving, right? Well, uh, but but both of those lend towards receiving. What do we give thanks for? We give thanks for things that we've received, right? Or or when we say you know God, you know I'm I'm struggling. I I, I really need. X, Y, or Z. What's the thrust of, of prayer? God, help me. You know, give me your aid. Right. That's 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 a receptive thing. It sounds like what you're saying. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the passive part is it? It's less about. It's less focused on the verb of am I kneeling or saying words or who's doing something, and it's more the the relationship and from where comes the good, from whom comes the the good. It reminds me of Luther's, um, you know, what does it mean to have a God? It means to look to this thing as to what, what is it you look to for all good? You know, if you want to be kind of tedious about it, you can be like, well, I'm looking at God. That's me doing something. And the response is, it, sure. <laughs> but, you know, it's like it's like looking to your parents when you're three to give you food. I mean, yes, you do. But but you do that looking does nothing other than receives the you know, oh, there's my there's where my goods coming from. Yeah. You're not the one at the grill. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> exactly right. So can you package that in any like if if I asked you just the straight up question, can you define prayer? How do you define it? So if I were to define define prayer, 
especially through the through the lens of 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 the conversation of passivity, the, the the words I would use, it would be the created talking with the creator. Because that gives the 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 clear relationship that you were just talking about. We are we are ones who who have received life and design and, and breath from God. And when we turn to him, why do we go to him in prayer? Because he's the creator. And so in the conversation of passivity, I would say it's the prayer is the created or the creation conversing with the creator. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Uh, so I, I want to jump to a question that though I love those words. <laughs> the challenge I have that struggles, uh, the struggle I have is, okay, so then why does prayer so often feel like I'm talking into the void? So when I converse with God, the answers that I receive either are going to be quite evident in front of me, or he's going to make himself known presently in front of me in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, probably not appear as Jesus before my eyes, you know, and it's not going to be an episode of the X-Files or something like that. It could be, most likely not, but his works are evident in front of me. And, and that's, that can get really, forgive me, that, that kind of mentality can be really powerful uh, and, and is certainly true, but it can also get really goofy and spooky really quick at the same time, if that makes sense. Especially when we, when we think about like faith healing and, and stuff of that nature, because that, that's all, you know, rooted back in prayer too, especially when you go back into the, into the book of James, you know, for the elders to go and pray over those who are, who are, who are sick or in, in need of healing. But the other place where, where I turn, um, when, I, when I want to hear God's voice, is I turn to the word. And, and that's, that's not a, an always satisfying answer for those who, who wish the, the God would pick up the phone. It would be a two-way conversation. But as we, as we talk into the void, there, there's not a void um, uh, beyond what we would perceive as silence. Because God has spoken. He has already, he's already answered our prayer. He has already told us everything that there is to know uh, within his word, within scripture. And we can, we can open up the book and say, this, this is God's word. It, it has been given to us. There's not a question of, of, of authorship or, or, or authority. We, we know for sure this is God's word given for you and for me. And so when I lift up my prayer, I can go to God. Yeah. Connect that for me to your, your work in your in your ministry, I'm struggling to put this into phrase for, for into the form of a question. But I guess I'm looking for how do you comfort? What do you say to somebody who is genuinely? I mean, like, yeah, I got I need food. It's sort of the hardest question I can throw at somebody who wants to talk about prayer, which is, I'm praying for food. It didn't get provided this week, but I get to, I need to be satisfied. How do you respond to the people that you're ministering to who have genuine need and maybe praying about it? This is, this is not to sound um, conceited or arrogant or, or anything within that nature. When God answers prayers, going back to the, the first way I answered it, he can answer it directly in front of people. And as a pastor in those conversations, um, sometimes you are the answer God sends to answer prayer. God works through means, 
right? Whether it's the means of, of grace on the altar and, and in the baptismal font, or whether it's the means of his bride, the church. And when, when someone comes and they're, and they're asking, saying, you know, I'm praying uh, and I just don't feel like God's answering me, especially when it comes to, to food and stuff like that. You know, the, the response you have as a pastor is, well, not pray harder. <laughs> like, it's, it's, that's what, a, what an insulting, awful thing. Sometimes you are the answer to someone's prayer. If they're hungry, what does, what does the scripture say? Feed them, right? And so this is, this is God's answer to prayer. You know, it's, it's not just throwing them out into the wind and saying, well, God will take care of them. Yeah, he will through his church which you are a part of. So can, if you don't mind, what, what is, what does your prayer life look like in terms of, I don't know, do you have particular practices that you recommend? Do you have a way of praying that you teach that you, that you find to be helpful? I, I'm, you know, I think a lot of times the questions that I have had is like, I, the way I knew to pray was say some stuff. And, and as you said earlier, usually that comes out to be me just asking stuff of God. Is there more to prayer than that? I guess is the question I'm asking. There's, there, I mean, there's three questions in here and, and they're all really good questions. I just want to figure out yeah. how to answer them. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, these, these, these are all fantastic questions. Um, so my personal prayer life, um, as a, as a Lutheran, we look to, uh, you know, our, our Saint, Saint Martin Luther, uh, and, and Luther was, was a much, much better prayer person than I ever have been or, or will be, uh, specifically because you, you spoke with a monk yourself not too long ago, as I recall. Like the monk's vocation is to dedicate themselves to prayer morning, day and night. Uh, and Luther in the same way, he was, he was devoted to prayer quite often. Uh, and Luther's Luther, one of my favorite Luther quotes Luther's got a lot of stingers, but one of my favorite quotes is, you know, I, I, I have so much to do today, I better spend another hour in prayer. And that's, that's horribly paraphrased, but that was, that was his mentality. Uh, and in the hustle and bustle of today, I so often forget that, as, especially as someone who, you know, would be perceived as, and should be held accountable to be someone who is who is the utmost spiritual person of the congregation, you know, overseeing four different ministries, whether it's Franklin, York, Luke Clinic, or Mercy House, how often I forget to, to just delve into prayer before I open something up, right? How often I forget to do these things. I mean, at, at first point, that is that is confession. And so I can I can go to God and I can ask for forgiveness in prayer, trusting, right? that he will provide that because he said he would, the forgiveness of sins. But also it's it's to encourage people and say, yeah, wow, even pastors really struggle to stay on top of, the, of their prayer life. That kind of asks, that kind of points me to the question, is there a way we, sh- we ought to pray? A- absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Jesus says, this is, this is ought how you should pray, right? Uh, and at that point he introduces the Lord's prayer. If you if you don't have a prayer life, if you've never prayed before, if it's not part of your daily routine, uh, learn the Lord's Prayer. You know, you can you can pick up a copy of, of Luther's Small Catechism, and not not only would I suggest like uh, learning to pray it, um, which is it's like a paragraph and a half. It's it's not that hard to to get through and, and to memorize, but then to study it. You know, what what are we praying for? And and there's free resources online. If you go to like a, a Concordia Publishing Warehouse online, which is the Lutheran bookstore. They have a free 
online version of it that you can get with a with a simple explanation of it. And I, I highly recommend that. There's apps for it too. You can you can download and and so it's not it's not only important to pray, but it's also important to understand what you are praying for. So learn the Lord's Prayer if you haven't started there. And then for me, as a pastor, when people come up and they they cold call me and they're like, Pastor, pray for me. I don't know what's going on in my life and I need help. You know the the, the formula I use or the format I use it's called the collect form uh, and I really enjoy it. It's it's short, to the point, easy to remember. Uh, and, and it, it really um, is, is helpful. So, so the way that uh, the collect form is 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 written is that there's there's three. I tack on a fourth part of it just to, uh, to to round it out. But it starts with an address. So an address is you know saying um, God and describing His character. So uh, so Brandon, give me a prayer request you have. Um. Well, I'm I'm traveling this weekend, and I'm pretty nervous about uh, speaking at a conference that I'm going to be speaking at. So, I'd like safety for travel, and uh, that God would bless what I say. Yeah, okay, that's a, that's a great prayer request. So, so an address would would be let's 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 pray. Let's go to the Father, uh, God. Uh, you are the one who who protects and guides us, Father. You are the one who who gives speech uh, to those who, who you've given voice to speak. And so we pray. Now, this is the second part. This is petition. We've addressed who God is. We've, we've described who he is and what he does. And now we ask our, our petition. Uh, so, so, Father, we come to you asking that you would grant Brandon safety as he travels. Watch over him as he travels. Father, we pray that you would also give him words to speak, that those who hear would... Uh, would learn them and trust in you and be pointed towards you. And so after we address and we lift up our petition, the third part becomes praise. And this part usually offers uh, praise to God and saying that, Father, we, we have seen you do this so many times before. You are incredible. You are powerful. You are able to make these things happen. Uh, it's simple as that. And then uh, the fourth thing that I like to, to add in is, it's kind of like a closing doxology. So, uh, so we, we, we close by saying, and we, we ask this in the name of Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So there's the address, there's the petition, there's the praise, and then there's the close or the doxology. I, I We probably lost track of the three questions I asked, and I apologize for listeners if that's what we did. We may, maybe I'll get you back on it sometime. Uh, but I, I kind of want to start winding up here. One of the questions that I've asked everybody is what advice would you give to somebody who is struggling with prayer? They want to pray, they struggle with it. Yeah, yeah. this is this is a really important question for me uh, because I, I've spoken with a lot of people who struggle with prayer. Uh, at the very beginning of the conversation, we talked about Christian intellectualism, which is which is really important. Christianity is 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 actually knowing and understanding Scripture, but it is not solely just the mind, right? Uh, and an early response uh, to to intellectual Christianity was a a a constructed spiritual emotional form of Christianity. So it completely stripped the intellectualism and brought forth the emotional aspects of Christianity. And, and they are not meant to be separated like that or, or, or at odds with one another. Uh, for, for us, we, we use the word piety as, as Lutherans. 
Uh, piety has, has more to do with like a, an internal aspect of the faith. So the ways that we feel, the way that we think, the way that we operate, that's, those are all kind of uh, piety forms of Christianity. Lutherans, we're, we're not so much into, into piety as much as we are into something called confessions. Confessions are a, a forming set of beliefs that we know to, to, to believe, teach, and confess to be true. Uh, that's that's a separate conversation. But one of, one of the things that really came out of, of piety and emotional Christianity became this intense pressure of what prayer is supposed to look like. So when you when you go online and you and you see uh, you know Christians praying, how often do you hear them praying with like the really low synth music behind it, and they've got their arms out wide, and it's like they're pouring themselves out. And, and the thing, so as as a as a theater performer, as an actor myself, the thing that always gets me is the way that they absolutely lose breath support and diction. Right? It becomes a very breathy like. Oh yeah, you're just so good, and and uh, and, uh, and it's it's like this ongoing thing, and and so what what happens is that we've constructed a, a very high pressure environment for the way that we think prayer is supposed to look, and that scares people. It scares me. Like how how am I supposed to be on the on the verge of, of absolutely crying and losing everything within me just to just to lift up a prayer? That's that's dangerous to me. Uh, that's that that worries me. Like, what if what if someone were to teach my daughter that that's how prayer had to look like? It's hard, you know. Especially you're not gonna you're not gonna achieve that emotional. I don't know if Zen is the right word every time you pray, but it's it's one of those things. And when that becomes the identity of what prayer is supposed to look like, it becomes really inaccessible for those who have never had prayer life before. Prayer. What we, what did we define? It's creation, talking with Creator. Brandon, what have you what have you and I been doing for the past hour? We've been talking. Right, just having a conversation. We've been having a just a plain conversation. Uh, and so one of the things I, I like to do for for people who who've never prayed before, and they say, Pastor, never prayed. I don't know how to pray. You know, I, I see this. Is this what prayer is supposed to look? Like? I say, No. Go lock yourself in a room. Uh, and just talk with God like you're talking with me. Have a conversation with him, right? And whether it's like you're, whether it's you giving thanks like Moses and the Israelites after crossing the Red Sea, awesome. Whether you talking with God is like you uh, wrestling with God like Jacob and yelling and having offense at God, great. Whatever it is, but get that baseline that conversation with God is vocal, just like this. It's 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 present. It it is it is an active process, if we want to go back to that word, where we, we can go to God and talk just like you and I are doing right now. That's a soapbox for me. That has grinded my gears for some time. And I appreciate that because I think I have such a passion for the simplifying of something that's been so overcomplicated for so long and for my, it, born out of my own experience that, you know, the, the only thing I would add to what we're saying here is that my experience of that, of exactly what you're saying right here is that when I started to talk to God, as if I was talking to my friend in the room, the change that happened for me was the, I call it consent. Like I consented or surrender. It maybe is even a better word to that actually being the reality. Yeah. For me, what it was, was giving up my skepticism. <laughs> I can just talk to God. And like you said, yeah. sometimes it's thanks. Sometimes I'm really pissed off at God. <laughs> and Man, I talk for a I long so time. I'm glad about I'm that not the him. only one. 
So that's so relieving to hear I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah. What what I find so powerful is that this experience in my own life has brought me more and more back to the word. I I wind up in scripture going, oh, okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> so, you know, those are where I keep I keep getting drawn deeper in, which I don't know, that to me has been sort of the sign that to put it badly, I'm on the right track. <laughs> if that well, I, makes sense. I think sense. you're right. I think you're right. Because, I mean, when we when we do pray, when we have those conversations that are just transparent and open, just like that, like a regular conversation, it takes us back to where God has been transparent and open to us and to Jesus, who, who takes our, our concerns to the Father. Thank you for this. I, I will put show notes, you know, links to your stuff and as well as some of the stuff that you referenced for people if they're interested. And I do want to remind people who are listening, we have an email uh, podcast at signpostin.org if you want to ask your questions. Um, thanks for talking today. Absolutely. Can we pray? Let's do that. Yeah. And then I'm going to close us with our standard closing. But would you would you pray? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, uh, we, we thank you so much. Father, you are, you are good. You are gracious. Father, you, you, you give wisdom uh, to your church, to your people. And so we pray that what we discuss today uh, would be used by, by listeners, by your church, to approach you confidently in the promises that you've given us through your son, Jesus Christ. That when we, when we come before your throne asking you, uh, begging you, requesting for you to, to care for us and provide for us, uh, that we could trust thoroughly that you will be there for us, uh, giving us what we need in the proper time in accordance with your will. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And uh, listeners, may the grace of Jesus Christ go with you wherever the road takes you. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit us at signpostin.org. While you're there, sign up for our e-newsletter and we'll send you a free ebook. Also, a big thanks to all of our supporters. Signpost N is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry, and we exist only because of our generous donors who make everything we do possible. Please consider supporting us with your recurring donation. Visit signpostin.org slash donate.